I tell you, the Bible, that's the best sermon you'll ever hear. I'm just here to kind of talk about it in some regard. That's how I view it. So let us, um, you know, I like to always encourage you guys to, to read the Word of God. And uh, in light of today's message, I, I would encourage you to read Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25, in light of today's message. And I have a question for you. How's it going finding someone to pray with every day? Let me encourage you. Find someone to pray with. It's a great way of holding each other accountable, yourself accountable, and just reminding you that you are saved by grace through faith alone. And that God's got it all covered because he sent Jesus to do it all for us by faith in him. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful that we can come together like this. God, is, it is a blessing that we can come together. It's a blessing that we gather underneath your word. Because you are in authority. You are above all. What you say matters. What you say makes an impact. And what you say is the only thing that can change us. For you are the source of all truth. And you have given us your word. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for giving us your son, Jesus Christ, who we can have hope. And have this restoration between us and you. And have your grace and love and favor be placed upon us. Despite our deficiencies and our sins and our failures. God be with all the churches around the world. Be with the Christians around the world. Especially in the hostile places Lord. God. This world's a dark place. And it's hard to see sometimes how your hand is working, but we know your hand is working because we just have to look at the cross as the valid proof of your love and that your gospel, that the gates of hell cannot stop it. Because though Christ died, he came back to life to prove that your word is enough. Thank you for that. Lord, we also ask that you be with us Convict us of our sins, Lord, that we have. Reveal them to us, Lord. There are so many times we commit sins we don't even realize. We're in the habit of committing sins that we didn't even realize were sins. But by your word, we know that you will reveal it to us so we can repent of them and run to the cross with open hands. Open hands of faith, just clinging to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that hope and that joy. Fill us, Lord, with hope, love, and peace so we can consistently live out the faith before you because we just want your name to be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when when sin entered the world, it didn't just enter the world as another addition to all of creation. When sin entered the world, it infected everything, infected all of creation like a virus and corrupted everything. There was nothing that sin did not consume. There was nothing that was left out of its reach within this world. So what that means is that as we go about life, we are always faced with temptation. 
If trials and hardships come our way, the temptation's always there to make us doubt God and doubt His love for us. Or the very opposite, if life is going really smoothly, we are faced with the temptation of pursuing our own lusts and pursuing our own personal satisfactions, forgetting about God and His ways and His blessings, thinking we got it good on our own. This world, our sinful nature and the devil through his influence upon the world are always right there presenting us with with temptation after temptation to sin. No matter where you go, no matter how far you travel, no matter how many people you surround yourself with, no matter how much you isolate yourself, sin is always there rearing its ugly head to provide ample opportunity For you to stumble and to fall. So as we wrestle with sin in our life, there may be certain questions that arise in our minds. Questions like, is faith in Jesus Christ enough to get me into heaven? Is believing in the gospel by faith alone enough to get me through this world even though I keep falling into sin? Is the message of the gospel of the grace of God enough to break through the sin in my life? Has faith in Christ truly set me free from the power of sin? Because if we are honest, when you look at the mirror of God's word and see all his laws and expectations, we all fail miserably. James 2 verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point becomes accountable to all of it, all of the law. So Christians then typically fall into two categories. One being that we feel so defeated that we think God can't possibly keep loving us and keep his favor upon us because we keep stumbling about with sins in our life. Or the other category is the self-righteousness, meaning that God's love and favor must be upon me because I don't do certain sins. And both categories are completely wrong. Because it is only faith in Jesus Christ that we have God's love and His favor and His forgiveness upon us. And it is through faith alone in Jesus Christ that the power of sin has been broken over us. You're not a part of it. It's all Him. It's trust in Him. And it's through faith alone in Jesus Christ that our sins are not held against us as we go through this world. We don't earn anything. It's all been done in Christ. None of our works will ever accomplish any of these things. Only faith alone in the gospel will. Faith in Christ will save us and keep us saved and bring us to God face face to face to enjoy His favorable presence. Faith in Christ means to trust in His life and death and resurrection on our behalf, stating it is by His performance alone as to why we should go to heaven and nothing dealing with us. So we overcome our false views and our doubts and our temptations and our sins before God as we grow in appreciation of the glorious gospel message of God's grace through faith in Christ. And to help us mature in this, Paul is going to speak to us 
in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, about what God has saved us from. So we can, as our title says, grow in confidence in the gospel message. So we're going to look at the text of chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And by Paul here saying, You, And you, Paul is making sure we realize that he's not speaking in general terms, but he's being very direct with believers who are reading this, saying, look, what I'm going to say next here is a description of you. But you really need to pay attention to what exactly I'm saying. By and, the key, and because the key word here in this, there, there's a key word, and it's a very encouraging word. And it's the word were. And when we focus on the word were, it reveals truly how powerful the gospel message of God's grace is in our life. That truly we are a people who live by faith in Christ Alone, faith in his works and not in our own. Paul is going to remind us of what we are not anymore because we have faith in Christ. Not because of anything that we do. Remember, to be a Christian, to be a Christian, it's not based on what you do or what you don't do. To be a Christian is solely based in who you believe in. That's it. That's what makes you Christian. And this is going to bring us to our first point. Know what you are not. So Paul says you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Now notice, Paul is speaking in a past tense. He's saying what we are not anymore. We were dead, but now we are not. Before you knew Christ, you were dead before God. That was your description and condition before God. But now that you know Christ by faith, being dead is no longer true of you. Paul is saying that this is what you are not if you have faith in Christ. But the question would be, well, what does Paul mean by dead? Now, obviously, he's not speaking of physical death Because the people he is writing to lived a life before they knew Christ, and now they are living a life, and they have faith in Christ. So in both instances, they were physically alive. So what is it then? To well, to be dead in trespasses and sins, what you have here is Paul revealing to us the spiritual state of all mankind before God. The spiritual state for all people who don't know Christ by faith in Him. There is a complete alienation between God and man. To be dead before God as a condition and a description before Him means that the life of people, no matter where they live, no matter how they live or who they are, their life is a life that is devoid of trusting in God, the God of the Bible, and is opposed 
to giving him the glory and thanks that he deserves. So Paul is pointing out here, anyone who does not have faith in Christ, because remember, the people he's writing to do have faith in Christ. So those who do not have faith in Christ Jesus, faith in the Jesus that we learn from the Bible alone, if people's faith is not in that Jesus the way the Bible defines him and speaks of him, if their faith is not in the biblical Jesus and his gospel message of grace, for there's only one message of grace, as Paul says in Galatians 1.7, not that there is another one. If they don't have faith in Christ, they are spiritually dead before God, they are lost and they need to be found, and hell is their destination. Which shows an importance of evangelism, by the way. Paul is stating plainly here that to be dead means all people who do not have faith in Christ are sinners, whose lives are characterized by sin, which is why he says dead in the trespasses and sins. Paul is saying mankind is spiritually dead, and that is why they have trespasses and sins. They are dead in these The trespasses and sins flows from their spiritual death. Or just put differently, people sin because they are sinners. We don't sin to make us sinners. We are born with a sinful nature since the fall in the garden. It's inherent to us. We were born spiritually dead. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So what you have here is Paul really describing the fallen condition of mankind before God. Our hearts are dead before the Lord. Ezekiel says our hearts are spiritually dead or of stone before we came to know Jesus. In Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, And I will remove the heart of stone, spiritually dead, from your flesh, hence they are physically alive, and give you a heart of flesh, spiritual life. Our hearts, before we knew Christ, were only of darkness, and we wanted nothing to do with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They're dead. John 3, 19 through 20 says, and makes this even more blunt of all mankind before they came to know Christ, it speaks of us as being spiritually dead before the Lord because of our sinful hearts, which, which it says in John 3, 19 through 20, The light has come into the world, and the people loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. Sinful hearts do not want their sinful actions to be exposed before the Lord. We are spiritually dead before we knew Jesus Christ by faith. And the verses could go on and on about the spiritual condition of all people before the Lord as being spiritually dead. The Bible's view or description of mankind before God is pretty grim. There's no doubt about that. It's not the best and fun to think about, but it's a reality. Basically, it says mankind loves to sin because they're sinners. 
So when Paul here is speaking of being dead in trespasses and sins, he's really emphasizing our heart's condition as being dead before the Lord. He is using some heavy words to drive in that point. Now, the two words here, trespasses and sins, those are somewhat synonymous. But they do cover or emphasize or point to different aspects of our life in which we fall into sin. So Paul is making sure that we take this spiritually dead before the Lord as something serious, as the serious condition and description of our whole life before God. And this brings us to our second point. Know the darkness of the heart. So what does he mean by trespasses? Obviously, he has trespasses and sins. Why, why, why not just say, yeah, you're just sin? There's a reason why it's there. Paul is being very blunt about our heart before, our, before God, before we knew Christ. Trespasses means to actively and willfully break the law of God in our life. Paul is not speaking of mistakes that we make, but the deliberate rejection of glorifying God glorifying the God of the Bible with our life. Meaning we actively reject and, uh, the pursuit of holiness and righteousness in this life before Him. Before we knew Christ, our life was built on a deliberate rejection of trusting in the God of the Bible. Mankind lives in a way that goes against God and His laws because they want to, not because they don't know who God is. Mankind knows full well that there is the God of the Bible and that he exists, and they choose to reject him. Their hearts are dead. Romans speaks of mankind as a whole by saying we are dead in the trespasses, by saying in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, for what can be known about God is plain, easy to see, plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. God has made sure that they knew. All mankind knows. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him or, as God or give him thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So all people know in their hearts that the God of the Bible exists and that he needs to be honored and he needs to be thanked and he needs to be trusted and he needs to be followed. But all people purposely and willfully reject that because they're spiritually dead. They have dead hearts. Which is why we have false religions, false hope in idols like media figures, governments and philosophies, or even in ourselves. Or just flat out rejection of there being a biblical God. For all men hide that they know in their heart that there is a God of the Bible. And they do their best to deny Him to others. Mankind does its best to do whatever they can to not give God the glory he deserves. For even God's law is written upon their hearts, and all mankind still denies that the God of the Bible exists. It says, Romans 2, 14 through 15, 
It speaks of the law upon all people's hearts when it says, for when the Gentiles, non-believers, who, ha- who do not have the law, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law physically. They show that the law is writ- the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse them or even excuse them. So men willfully and purposely choose to reject and break God's laws in some fashion, the moral laws to which can be known to them. They choose to reject and ignore God himself. For before we had faith in Christ, we were spiritually dead in trespasses. Then Paul also adds the description of being dead in sins. I know some of you are like, wow, can it get any worse? Well, remember, what Paul is saying here is what we're not and what we have been saved from. So we can grow in confidence in the gospel message. So we can mature in the grace of God and see how truly amazing it is. And this is why the gospel is good news and why we can rest in Christ's finished work on our behalf. Anyways, back to the text, dead in sin. This is meant to cover everything else about us, whether willing or unwilling, whether passive or active. Paul is saying everything that we do is sin if we don't have faith in Christ. Your whole life is characterized as a life that's just overflowing with sin. All aspects, all all things about you, whatever you do or don't do, whatever you may think or not think, whatever you may say or not say, whatever you feel or don't feel, and the list could go on and on. Whatever it is about you, it's always considered sinful before the Lord. Now Now you might think, wait a minute, how is that even possible? Well, it's simple. Sin is simply just means missing the mark, missing the standard, to never quite get it right, to always have a flaw. Or as Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Before we knew God, everything we did or didn't do always fell short of his glorious standard of perfection. So even if we were helping people out who were hurting being friendly to others or even faithful to our spouses and committed to our families and committed to our jobs, committed to being an excellent uh, civilian or simply just going out for a walk through nature, having the cool breeze brush across our face and hear the rustling of the leaves as the gentle wind passes by so we can relax from our daily troubles. If it's not in Christ... If we were not in Christ by faith, it all falls short of the glory of God and is sinful. Because we're all dead in sin without Jesus. Even the greatest works, as Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, we all have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Paul is truly pressing in the hopelessness and and depravity of our state before God. Now, as you chew on that, you might start to have a question pop up in your mind. The question might be something along the theme of, 
So does being dead in the trespasses and sins mean we are as bad as we can be before the Lord? I mean, surely from what has been laid out here, it sounds like we're just a bunch of sinful, wretched people. And though I would agree we're all sinful, wretched people without Jesus Christ. We are, all, we are all not sinfully, as sinfully wretched as we can be. For you don't have to look too far out to find people who do good things to help others. You don't have to try too hard to find people who are respectful of others and who do nice things for others. There is a society in which we live in and there are laws in which we follow and, and rules that we're called to follow and people do follow the rules and the laws. So not everyone is as bad as we can be before the Lord. Now, there are people who are, uh, try to be as sinful as they can be and try to cause mass destruction in people's lives and only goal is to hurt people, as many as people as they possibly can, and so on and so on. But the thing is, when Paul is saying being dead in the trespasses and sins, he's not saying that we are as sinful as we can be, but in comparison of God's expectations and standards over us, we always fall short because sin is always involved with it. What he requires of us as we live in this world and go about our lives, we always fall short before him. So if you are not in Christ by faith, therefore all you can do is sin. Because you will always fall short of his standard. And that's what Paul is getting at here. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses of and sins. And though it may seem negative and a downer, because he's just basically like, yeah, you're a bunch of failures. It's really not a downer. Not for you and me, because we have faith in Christ. And the key is to focus on what I said before, the word were. And this brings us to our very last point. Know the hope you have. This verse, when you get the picture of the, of the depth and width of sin, and truly how much we wanted nothing to do with God, and really God should have nothing to do with us. When you look at this verse, it should spark hope in you and me since we have faith in Christ. It, this verse should give us rest and comfort in the Lord. This passage is one that makes us realize, it should make us realize, how free we actually are in Christ. To no longer have to slavishly work ourselves to death by trying to become someone or trying to be someone, or make up for our wrongdoings, or stress out about our failures. We don't have to do that. But rather, we can just rest in the finished work of Christ. The finished work of the cross. Now why? Why? You may ask, why? Because what Paul is ultimately getting at here in this passage, of this, just this verse 1, what he's revealing to all of us is what we were. We were this. But this is not us anymore if we have faith in Christ. So let me be direct with you for a moment because this is important when you look at this passage. 
If you have faith in Christ right now, if you trust in him right now, I'm not talking about the past, I'm talking about right now. If you have faith in him right now, this is what it means. Even if you fall into sin or are struggling with sin, if you know that when you go home that you're going to have to battle with temptation, or maybe you even gave in to that temptation last night, Know that God sees you as spiritually alive and not dead and gives you his love and favor and blessings before him for you are saved by Christ's finished work and not yours, not your incomplete work or failure work. You're saved by faith. That's it. You're alive. If you have pride, or unforgiveness, that you are having a hard time letting go, that is waging war in your soul because you know what you're supposed to do, but you don't want to do it. You know what you should say, but you don't want to say. If you have faith in Christ, you are not dead, but alive, for you have been completely forgiven, even if you haven't handed that pride or unforgiveness over to the Lord yet. Why? Because if you have faith in Christ's finished work on your behalf, you are fully loved, you are fully forgiven, and His favor is fully upon you because of what Christ did for you, not because of what you're doing. Faith alone. You were once dead. Whatever sin you can think of that you are dealing with that is heavy upon your heart, whatever presence of sin that is in your life that you are wrestling with and you don't even want to speak of, if you have faith in Christ, the description as one being dead is not of you. No matter how many times that you have messed up unwillfully or willfully, no matter how many times you have lived for yourself rather than living for the Lord, no matter how many times you have rejected the Lord's command, even in the smallest things, like it's, uh, to do what he says, like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, where it says, So whatever you eat, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And boy, at least I know for myself, I fail at always glorifying God in whatever I do. But even still, as we fail to glorify God in all things, and rather do many of the times do things for our own glory, with our own time, with our own finances, with our own deeds, it's all about me, rather than thinking of the Lord and handing everything over to Him and saying, this is yours, it's your glory. If you have faith in Christ, Guess what? You being dead, that's not you. And praise God for that. See, this is what makes the gospel good news. Christ has done everything for you despite your sins that you are struggling with, that you know you commit every day. And Christ says, I still love you anyways because you have faith in me. Christ has done everything we need by faith in him alone. So in conclusion, I I, I read this quote the other day, and I think it sums up this verse quite nicely. 
Our courteous Lord does not want his children to despair because they fall often and grievously. For our falling does not hinder him loving us. So when you read Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 1, I pray that you find relief and mature in confidence in the gospel of God's grace. Amen? Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful verse, Lord, that we know that your Son has taken care of everything for us, everything that you have demanded and required that you have provided through Jesus alone. God, I know I, am, I fail miserably. I'm, I'm in need of your grace every day, as the old hymn says, I need thee every hour. God, I pray if there are people here right now that are struggling with you, that are having a hard time, that are concerned about doing more and and trying to obtain more and more and do more to try to be good, to try to earn your favor, to try to get blessings in their life, Lord, help them repent of them doing things and to say, trust in me, trust in you alone. God, remind them of the grace that you have given, the undeserved favor that they could never earn in the first place, and they can't keep, but they have if they simply trust in Jesus. God, I pray if someone doesn't know you, and they realize their sin before you because the Holy Spirit's working upon them as he's working, Lord, I pray that they come to know you by faith and say, Jesus I need you, and they trust in you. And God, I pray that if anyone else here who thinks they got it all right, who's been thinking that they've been handling this thing called life pretty well without you, Lord, I pray that they repent and realize it's only because of you things are going well, that everything belongs to you. Oh, God, thank you for the gospel. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Stand as we sing together.